Welcome to the October episode of International Voices. I am your host and moderator, Udo Fluck, and I have the honor to oversee the Office of Global and Cultural Affairs in Arts Missoula. This is the ninth podcast this year. We started in February. To listen to the eight previous episodes, please visit artsmissoula.org slash radio hyphen and hyphen podcasts slash. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you by Global and Cultural Affairs of Arts Missoula and The Trail 1033. If you have listened to International Voices podcasts, you know I love networking with colleagues at the University of Montana, with community members, school teachers, and administrators nationally as well as internationally. Building on the relationships with people helps me stay informed, collaborating and discussing important topics with others in my community and beyond is what inspires me. And I'm proud of the networking relationship I have with my International Voices guest for this October, Chris Hislop. Chris is the Executive Director of the Montana World Affairs Council, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering global awareness and understanding in Montana's classrooms and communities. Chris began his professional career as a high school teacher. He then served as a United States Peace Corps volunteer in Kyrgyzstan, a former Soviet state in Central Asia, from 1995 to 1997. Following his service, he worked with humanitarian organizations and the United Nations around the world in Iraq, Kuwait, Jordan, Sudan, Myanmar, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Indonesia, Chechnya, and the Balkans, China, Liberia, and Eritrea. He received his bachelor's degree in anthropology and education and attended the Harvard Kennedy School, where he received a master's degree in public administration. Welcome, Chris Hislop. So, Chris, you moved to Missoula last year. What interested you in the executive director position at the Montana World Affairs Council? Well, first, Udo, thanks a lot for having me on and as, as a guest. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, as always, as a good friend and partner in our work, but also um, your, your listeners and the participants on your podcast who share a lot of our interest in, in international issues. But it's an interesting story. I was um, living and working in the United Nations or overseas working for the United Nations for many years. And my family and I decided to move to Montana. Then we've been here for one year. Uh, however, about 10 years ago, when we were living in New York, we stopped out to Missoula. And at that time, I thought I would get in touch with people who were doing international work. So I had the chance to meet with some people up at the university. And I had a great opportunity to meet with Ambassador Mark Johnson. Uh, this is, again, 10 years ago, and he told me all about the council, and it's a fascinating, it was a fascinating story. It was a great coffee that we had together. He's, a, he's an extraordinary gentleman and an incredible story. And so 10 years go by, and we moved back to Missoula, and I think to myself, you know, that group was really interesting. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to stay in touch. 
So I reached out to the then executive director and found out they were still going strong. And I signed up as a member and I started going uh, to their events and, you know, tuning into to the incredible things that the Montana World Affairs Council provides here in Missoula and across the state. And, you know, it's just, it really, um, it really helped me stay in touch with the world and, and with these, you know, important international issues. And, um, you know, under, as it happened, I mean, through, through circumstance, the previous executive director uh, took on a, a different role in another organization, leaving the executive director post open. And I thought, well, you know, this sounds really interesting. It's maybe the only job in all of Missoula that I'm actually qualified to do. So I, I did apply. And, you know, there, there was, it's a very strong competition, a lot of excellent people here in Missoula working for nonprofits with a lot of international experience, but um, good fortune or, or what have you um, was on my side and, and I got the job. So here I have been since last December. This is an interesting story that you're sharing and um, something that I have heard before. As a matter of fact, when I left, in 1999, after I uh, went to school here, and I left, and uh, I remember talking to a good friend of mine, and he said, oh, it's not for long. You will be back. <laughs> I'm thinking, what does that mean, you will be back? Well, I came back in 2002 to finish my dissertation. So, um, And I've heard this from other people, too, that, that basically said, once you have been to Missoula, there is something magical that pulls you back. It might be a couple months, it might be a couple years, but eventually you will come back to Missoula. So, well, I can I just very quickly, Udo, confirm that because I've, I've really had the good fortune to meet so many people here in Missoula. It's part of my job and part of who I am. I just I, I meet people and get to know what's going on. Um, and I can't tell you the number of times when, when I always ask, you know, what's your story? How did you right. get here? Right. So often it's a very similar story. People come here, they, they go to the university and, and then they, they try to find some way to stay or maybe, you know, they visited here and, and they liked what they saw and then they try to find some way to stay, which I think, you know, ultimately it says so much for this city and this community. It does. And, and quite frankly, if you have lived in other places, and there are many beautiful places around the world, and you just said that um, you have had a very international life yourself, um, and one can compare it to other places, there is still something very special about Missoula that is hard to top. Indeed, and, uh, indeed. And, and that it's may been be, great for us. Yeah, and that may be the reason why we all end up here, but um, <laughs> that's so great that, that, that you um, had that experience as well. And also, I think it's very neat that um, you didn't come to Missoula without any connection to the Montana World Affairs Council, but that you came to Missoula because you had already cultivated this 10 years prior um, by talking to Ambassador Mark Johnson. And, and of course, and, and this may be um, a good a good moment to talk a little bit about Ambassador Mark Johnson because he is so uh, so closely connected um, and always has been to the Montana World Affairs Council. Can you tell us a little bit about Mark's role in the organization? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it is honest and, and um, very straightforward to say this organization would not be here without Mark Johnson. Um, Many of your listeners will know Mark Johnson personally. I mean, he's, he's out here in the community all the time. He grew up in Great Falls, 
um, and he had a, a long and distinguished career uh, in the United States Foreign Service, um, finishing up as the U.S. ambassador to Ghana. And when Ambassador Johnson then finished his service and uh, came back to Montana, he wanted to stay in touch with the world. And not only did he want to stay in touch, but he wanted that opportunity available to Montanans. So uh, he got in touch with um, the World Affairs Council of America, which I think we'll touch on later, our, our kind of umbrella um, national organization, right. and started uh, the Montana chapter of the World Affairs Council here in order to, you know, the, our tagline says a lot, to bring the world to Montana and Montana to the world. So it's not simply that, you know, what we, you know, bringing in distinguished speakers, offering different programs for school kids and communities on international issues, but it's also a great opportunity to share what happens in Montana with people outside of Montana, because a lot of what happens here in Montana, we often think, well, no, you know, it's a domestic thing or it's a state thing, but the connections to this state, its economy, its communities, um, its cultures, um, has direct connections with a great big world out there. And people want to know about what's going in Montana and they want to know how they also connect to Montana. So this was Mark's vision. And, and so um, he spent 20 years, you know, establishing this organization. It was it, this, we are now in our 21st year actually. Um, he established this organization and, and built it from nothing into what it is today, which is a statewide organization that, you know, that, that provides this kind of engagement uh, for global understanding and awareness across an entire state. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Chris, for, for this uh, sort of background information and historical connection to uh, the Montana World Affairs Council and to Ambassador Mark Johnson. And I'd, I'd like to spend uh, uh, a few moments on the fact that the Montana World Affairs Council is part of the World Affairs Councils of America, the largest grassroots international affairs organization in the country with more than 90 councils in 44 states. So as an umbrella organization, uh, it obviously um, has a lot of reach and it has a lot of influence and one might say a lot of power. Um, as you know, being the uh, the largest international affairs organization in the country, how, where, and when did the World Affairs Council of America start, and where is its headquarters today? Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating story and a, a good slice of American history to look back on on the origin story, if you will, of the World Affairs Councils. I mean, to answer your last question first, the national office is in, of course, Washington, D.C. That's called the World Affairs Council of America, and that forms the umbrella for these um, 90 or so councils scattered across the United States. Their mission, you know, which is shared by all of the, the 44 others, is engaging the public and leaders to better understand global affairs and America's role in the world, importantly. In other words, connecting the issues to America's role, connecting it to our lives, to our communities, to our states. But the, it, it starts in, in um, way back in 1918, uh, when uh, there was an, uh, a group called the League of Free Nations Association. And this was formed by 140 plus 
very distinguished Americans with the purpose to support Woodrow Wilson in, in his vision to achieve peace, the post-World War I um, Wilsonian view uh, of world peace. So at the end of World War I, uh, the association's founders were very concerned that America would choose isolationism over a foreign policy-based international engagement, which, as you know, it preceding World War I and again preceding World War II, America has had these times in which some, sometimes isolationism it becomes um, a, a little bit you know, more, uh, more the view of the government rather than engagement. So they were concerned about this, and they worked to promote and nurture you know, a public awareness of critical international issues that affect the U.S., and in 1923, they reconstituted the organization. They called it the Foreign Policy Association. So again, basis in this kind of um, concern of isolationism, but not simply the concern, but a, a desire and a willingness to ensure that the United States was engaged in world affairs in the right way, um, and that the citizens of the United States knew what this meant, knew what the impact was, and knew how to also, since we are the United States, to input on these issues and, and these questions of the government. So citizen discussion groups began through this foreign policy association. And in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and after World War II, you found these organizations having these discussions uh, in communities like ours about, you know, what's going on? Here's the current issue. What does it mean? How does it affect us? Right. And in 1954, the, the foreign policy association came out with this thing called Great Decisions, which exists today. This is based on a kind of annual briefing book prepared by the heads of, of then FPA and now um, the World Affairs Councils of America. And it became the largest nonpartisan public education program on international affairs in the world. So it was this thing where, you know, they would develop a series of important issues called, quote, unquote, great decisions. Mm -hmm. They would then send out at that time by mail these, these booklets about, you know, what is the issue? What could be discussed? You know, how can you lead a discussion on these things? And so these discussion groups were flourishing around America in talking about foreign, uh, foreign issues and foreign policy. Then finally, in 1986, the, this thing had become the National Council of World Affairs Organizations, and they established themselves in Washington, D.C., and later renamed the World Affairs Council of America. Or as you said, now you have, uh, you've got over 90 World Affairs Councils nationwide in 44 states. So in some states, you'll have more than one. Some are uh, city-based. In, in the larger urban areas, you'll have your own kind of, um, let's say, the Seattle World Affairs Council. Uh, and then you have a Washington State um, World Affairs Council. So that's a, that's a bit of the, the origin story. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Chris, for sharing that. Um, what do you see as the organization's greatest asset or strength? Well, I, I, surely um, uh, the greatest asset or strength is, is less a kind of organizational question um, and more um, what membership and what um, communities bring to the organization. So while the organization is very well established, it's very strong, it's very clear in its mission, the, it, its strength is derived from really at the grassroots. And so, you know, we can, we can kind of compare this with other organizations or other institutes that focus on foreign policy. You know, there's any number of, of American foreign policy institutes and organizations, but 
Um, the World Affairs Councils of America are a grassroots organization. So we take this down to the community level rather than the kind of um, more academic or, or, or the, the kind of higher level um, discussions. We're, we're, we're talking here amongst ourselves, amongst people who have um, a, a layperson's interest in foreign affairs. So for me, the real strength in, in, in the organization is founded on this idea that Americans have a huge interest in what is going on in the world, despite what we might hear otherwise occasionally as isolation may, may fluctuate over the years. Right. In fact, you know, what we see in American history is a real desire to, to understand what's going on, but not just to understand, to also impact what's going on, to, 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 be, able to, to be able to have some effect on national policy. We see that here in Montana all the time. It's quite extraordinary. And, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll, I guess we go into it a little bit later on the kind of, you know, what's going on in Montana and state-based. But, but to me, that's the big strength of the organization. Wonderful. Um, what is the relationship between the state chapters to the main mother organization, if you will, as well as to the other state chapters? Is there a lot of interaction going on um, between them or are they pretty much on their own and doing their own programming and they don't really um, work with each other a whole lot on, on average? Well, the, I think the answer is somewhere right in the middle, Udo, on that one. First of all, the national, the World Affairs Council of America, the national office is an umbrella office. We don't, um, you know, it's not a hierarchical relationship where we report to them, but they provide us with a, a number of services, um, organizational services, um, support uh, also in uh, tapping into different grants that come through the, 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 their office. Um, and so uh, we get a lot of service from them. There are also a number of national programs that, that we benefit from. Um, the Great Decisions Program continues to this day. Um, there are also a clearinghouse of um, support for expert speakers. If you want to bring in an expert speaker, they have a database and a network of expert speakers. And they also um, are at the front end. They, they, they organize and, and they are the, the focal point for our annual Academic World Quest, which is a national knowledge competition for high school students that I'll talk about a, a little bit later. So they're giving us a lot of, uh, of support from, from the national level. But then we often, uh, amongst the different councils here, let's just say particularly here in the, in the Northwest, um, we're regularly in con I'm regularly in contact with the other councils because you know, oftentimes they will have programs or they will have initiatives going on that they want support or need some advice on. And, and so we speak to them as well. So, so it's a really nice mix. We have our own things that go on here that we do for our constituency. Then we plug into a, a larger um, network of the individual councils around the uh, nation. And then we also have our, our national office in Washington, D.C., all providing a slightly different service and a, and a different thing, but all kind of coming together in one coherent whole. So it's really a healthy mix um, yeah. between adopting uh, the program from a national level and then adding sort of local um, presentations or local expertise in the state to the programming mix. That's a wonderful way of doing it. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's really well put, Udo, because it, it you know, it would be, it's important to note, if we just take our example at the Montana World Affairs Council, I mean, 
look, if you open any newspaper or magazine today, you'll get tons of news about different things that are going on in the world. Now, all of these will affect us in, in some way or another, have some impact, but not all to the same degree and not all to the same interest. So Montanans here um, have, have, you know, let, let's take something that really directly impacts Montana and Montanans. Um, let's say the China trade deal, obviously, is something that is really important um, to Montana's agricultural sector that feeds into Montana's economy and feeds into Montana's, you know, broadly rural society here. And, and, and how that thing is developed, how it plays out and how it impacts Montana's farmers has a huge far reaching and long lasting impact on, on what is going on. So our programming and people we talk to, you know, we're looking at that issue because we know people here in Montana have a special interest in that one. Whereas in other issues, maybe they don't have the same level of interest or the same level of impact. So we also, in our own programming, in our own choice of issues, will choose those things we know because we hear from, from um, people all across the state. What is interesting? What is important? What matters to you, Montana? And that's the things that we focus on. Um, we kind of jumped ahead. Uh, my next question would have been exactly that. And, <laughs> and, and you, you answered that perfectly. Um, I was sort of thinking to ask you along the lines of what the relevance is of a Montana World Affairs Council yeah. uh, and its mission to a rather rugged and rural state with a sparse population like Montana compared to so many other uh, states where that isn't the case. But you, you already connected that really well. And, and perhaps one could even say that it might be of a greater relevance um, to a state like Montana than it may be to a state that is already um, very much internationally connected, let's say a big metropolitan area um, where you have naturally a lot of international activity going on. So this, this may even make it more relevant for a place like Montana. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it, to answer the question, you know, uh, about relevance here in Montana and or vis-a-vis -vis other, other places, I mean, um, I would say first broadly, this is relevant to everybody everywhere, no matter what, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree, but right. just kind of, you know, the, the relevance here in Montana, uh, you know, I, as you know, and as many of the listeners know, I'm new to Montana, so I, I don't claim to have a lot of, um, you know, deep background and understanding, but I've used this last year to, to speak to a lot of people all around this state doing all kinds of different things with, with different views to try to educate myself about what matters, right. you know, what, what is important to people and, and what are they thinking and talking about. Um, it's, I find it very interesting that, you know, stereotypically, people might think of a, a, a largely rural state like Montana as maybe not being interested in international issues and things going around the, around the world. Of course, they would be terribly wrong uh, because, in fact, here in Montana, all around this state, people have a huge interest and a, and, a, and a big appetite to know what is going on around the world. Right. Now, if you add to that, the, the very, um, you know, um, clear, interesting, um, and can I say like modern dynamic of uh, the kind of immediacy of news and communications. So, um, it, you know, you may be interested in something, but if you can't learn about it, if you can't know about it, you know, it's frustrating sure. and difficult. But in fact, now, um, because of our uh, communications, internet, um, cable news, you know, you name it, um, 
we see um, in, in very immediate terms what is going on, right? So you can find out, right, you know, we found out within literally minutes of an artillery shell landing in Nagorno-Karabakh last week that the Armenians and the Azeris were back at it again, right? I mean, this comes right. onto the news immediately. So news is immediate. We hear it immediately. So we know what is going on. Then we're able then to, to take the next step is, you know, to answer the question like, so what? You know, how, why does this matter to me? Right. Why does it matter um, that, 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 that there's trouble there? Um, and then you can get some analysis. Let's just stay with uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Look, there's tons of oil there, right? Um, what happens there affects the global, um, uh, the global price of oil. Not hugely, but it does affect it. It affects Russia's standing and Russia's own pipelines, many sure. of which go into Western Europe right. and will ultimately affect the global price of oil, which deeply affects, again, Montana's farmers, right? We have a large you know, monoculture using a lot of machinery and, and the price of fuel is important here. And the price of shipping our goods is important. So this has an effect, right? It has a very, so you get the immediate effect, you learn out, you, then you can learn kind of the so what, but then very interestingly, and, and Montana again has, has any number of very active and very outspoken lobbies about you know, trying to shape and create um, American policy on different issues, right? right. And so on, on, on staying with agricultural trade, you know, uh, Montana farmers have a very strong organization. They're not simply receivers of information and thinkers about it. They're doers as well. They engage with the, the government at all levels to try to help the government understand their situation and try to shape policy in a way that is going to benefit Montana agriculture, the state of Montana and its economy, right? And so the relevance of these things becomes extremely clear when you kind of put it into um, more, uh, you know, Montana terms and, and the impact of any number of these issues. And I, I know I'm sticking a little bit on, um, on agriculture because it, you know, it, it vastly outstrips the other elements of, uh, of Montana's economy. But, but it serves as a good example. It, you're absolutely yeah, it's, right. And that the example, I mean, just to wrap up is to say, you know, these things aren't just happening out in the middle of nowhere and we're not experiencing, learning, understanding, and affecting them. We are. And the more we know about them, the more we understand, which is what we're trying to do here at the Montana World Affairs Council, the better able our students and our communities are to affect these kinds of dynamics. And you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, I agree. The interconnectedness of things is, is really the important part. And the fact that it may be something that is happening halfway around the world. And one might not think that it has an impact on a local economy or on a local society. But the mm -hmm. fact that it is so interconnected and that we hear about it immediately through modern technology and, you know, CNN seems to have a reporter mm -hmm. pretty much anywhere in the world. And if something happens, there's always somebody there that immediately picks up the yeah. news and, and shares it. And so, I think you're absolutely right. Having, having this interconnectedness um, almost requires then um, this creating an awareness and not just the awareness, but also following up with it and making yeah. sure that people have a chance to get the full story and the full picture and not perhaps just a you know, little news, news bit that is out there. So um, that's, 
I think really the uh, you you nailed it. I think the the fact that this is relevant because it is bringing it all together and it's mm. connecting people no matter where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, now we talked a little bit about the annual programming that the Montana World Affairs Council does, and you mentioned um, a few highlights. Could you provide a little bit more detail about sort of the, um, the, the, the big program parts that you have? Yeah. Um, so, Udo, we, we have a very ambitious programming schedule every year. And, and again, you know, why? Like, what, what, why are we doing this? Again, we're trying to foster global understanding and awareness in Montana's schools and in communities. We want to help people understand what's going on and have some say or, or support their, their own, if, if they want to have some say and some shape in what's going on, that they can do so in a, in a, in a more um, understanding way. So um, what we do, you know, first of all, we ongoing throughout the year, we have what we call a distinguished speaker series. And many of your listeners will know that. That has up until last March been an in-person event where let's say um, uh, a, a general, an author, a, an ambassador will come to Missoula, to Helena, to Bozeman um, and give a lecture on, on an issue. Right. Um, so because of, you know, uh, because of the COVID, uh, we've had to change that. So now uh, instead of having in-person events, we do a webcast called Connect Montana. And Connect Montana brings these experts from around the world or in fact, the expertise that we find here in Montana um, to talk on issues that matter to Montanans. So last week, the Connect Montana, we had a three-part series on information, disinformation, and fake news. And in that series, we brought experts from around the world to, to tell us about different aspects of the issues. What is it? How does it affect us? How can we be aware that we're receiving fake news and what can we do to protect ourselves? I mean, these are some of the things that we picked up on that issue. A couple of weeks before that, though, we did a series on what we called Arts International, where we spoke with three very interesting people here in, from Montana who are artists and engaged in the arts, but from a more international angle and asking them, what is the effect of your art and what impact does it have on a more international stage rather than, than a state or, or local stage? And so, you know, this, this program, Connect Montana, is, again, trying to bring those issues that Montanans care about into your, you know, right straight through your computer screen. And, and it's interactive and, and always very interesting. We have another series coming up shortly on international elections, right? We have our domestic elections coming up. So the question isn't about how do domestic elections work, it's how do international elections work? How does the UN support international elections and how do other organizations do that? So that's coming up. This is, the, this is called the Distinguished Speaker Program. Now we have a, a program that, we've, um, that has been going on for eight years now and, and we've just launched it, in fact, had the first event today. It's called Council in the Classroom. And this year it is, we, we, we call it GeoQuest. So this is an interesting program where what we have is four countries in focus. That's Ireland, Egypt, Korea, and Chile. And what we've done together with our partners uh, at Inspired Classroom, a Missoula-based company, 
who provides kind of interactive um, online learning opportunities. We have a digital platform um, that has interesting content and information about these four countries. Then we have one event per country. So this morning we had a former United States ambassador to Egypt coming on, talking to nearly, I, I think there must have been 70 or 80 kids from all across Montana, oh, different wow. schools, public, private, homeschool, you name right. it. They're right. on the show hearing uh, you know, an expert lecture at the right level from, the, from a former U.S. ambassador. And then they go online onto the platform and they work through a number of content and interesting and creative things that they can do to learn about Egypt. But it's, again, not just about Egypt. It's about also how is Egypt similar to your community? Compare and contrast Montana with what you've just learned from the ambassador. What do you think are the, the, the differences? What do you think are the similarities? So we like to engage students not just on learning about this place, but trying to connect what they've learned with what's going on in their communities right now. So that's called GeoQuest. That, again, that's a program that we offer for middle school students. Then um, another one of our flagship global education initiatives is the Academic World Quest. And Academic World Quest is a three to four day global education conference. We have in the past held this at the University of Montana's campus here in Missoula. Of course, this year uh, with COVID, it will be held virtually. It's open to all students across the state. What has happened, for example, last year, we had 300 of the best and brightest students in Montana come here to the University of Montana. They engage in a series of discussions on interesting and, and, and key issues that have an international aspect and have an important connection to Montana. Uh, for example, last year, we had a we had an expert lecture on clean water. That is a key issue for Montanans across the state. And, and so we, we talked about that, and then we looked at it from a more international perspective. This then concludes in a, in a knowledge competition. It's like a trivia competition, whereby um, the students from these schools are in teams of four. They have a, a couple hours of a knowledge competition covering a, a number of, of issues that they have been studying over the past couple months prior to coming. And with the winner then, usually the winner then gets a, a, a free trip to Washington, D.C. for the national competition. Of course, that was not held uh, this year, but um, they did receive then scholarship money to go to the university of their choice. Um, so that's Academic World Quest. That that's, happens every year, open to all students completely. By the way, I, I forgot to mention, Udo, all of these things are completely free of charge. We don't charge a, a single penny for anything that we do. We also um, award a Global Teacher of the Year Award. Um, we open it up to schools across Montana and people put forward names of excellent educators who, who really are committed to and who really provide international education to their students. It's had an extraordinary teacher from Gardner last year win. Um, and so every year we recognize a, a teacher. That's one of our programs. We also have um, a great program here in, in Missoula called Council on the Radio, and we're very fortunate to have our, um, our President Emeritus, Bob Seidenschwartz, go on once or twice a month on KVGO Talk Radio, um, and picking up on kind of the issues of the day and bringing in experts to discuss what is going on, why is it happening, and how does this impact us here in Missoula or in Montana or in the Northwest? Um, that program reaches over 25,000 people, you know, every time they do it. So, so, so that's all, I mean, that, that, that's broadly speaking, you know, our program package. 
And it, it's to say, you know, we are reaching thousands of students across the state, thousands of people across the state, tens of thousands of, of people across the state in, in support of our mission, you know, to, to engage people and, and to foster an understanding on these issues that really have an impact on them. Now, this is very impressive, Chris, I have to say, especially because it's so spread, um, schools, community, um, and, and so many benefits uh, to all of the groups. Now, where are you hoping to take the Montana um, World Affairs Council in the next five years? Can you share some of your priorities and your goals? Yeah, absolutely, Udo. I mean, it's a great question because when I started um, as the executive director last December, it was something that I heard from our board um, right away about, you know, developing a vision going ahead for the next five years. Now, it's important to point out that, you know, you, one, one can um, develop that vision if you're already doing good work. And so, I'm, you know, I was very pleased to come into an organization that for the last 20 years has been doing exceptionally good work. And it's real credit to, to Mark Johnson and the, and the previous executive directors and, and to all the colleagues who've been working on this. So kind of uh, on the shoulders of giants, if you will, we're able to look forward to the next five years. And I, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's, um, we've come up with a pretty straightforward um, vision on this, which is to say um, the, the council has, um, by and large, focused um, um, largely on Western Montana. Um, we, we've been here in Missoula and, and across Western Montana. Um, in, in a number of our programs, not all of them, as I said, Academic World Quest and, uh, has always drawn students from across the state from the farthest eastern reaches of Montana. Our Council in the Classroom, the virtual program, is open and we do get kids from all over the state on that. But what we want to do is we want to be sure that we're, we are a more statewide organization, seem to be providing these services, seem to be providing these programs evenly across the state. We spent a lot of time prior to the shelter-in-place order last year cultivating programs in Bozeman and in Helena. Um, we're looking at the same thing in Billings and in Great Falls to try to, try to uh, you know, exponentially expand out into some of the, the larger towns, at least in Montana, to provide some of these opportunities in, in a more in-person and face-to-face. That, of course, is on hold right now. I mean, if th that won't stay forever. So, so what we're looking at really is, we, we, number one, we want to be you know, more broadly uh, seen state, statewide. The other thing that, that we're doing is leveraging some success. Um, we, we've had a lot of success in the virtual space. So this is the, this GeoQuest program that I described. It's been going on for eight years now. And it's become incredibly successful, very well known by educators across the state as a great opportunity, free of charge, for them to bring their classrooms in and get this kind of understanding and knowledge on global events and, and, and places. So we add to that this Connect Montana, which is bringing in experts from around the world and from Montana talking on international issues. And we find ourselves in a good place that we're, we're, we've become expert purveyors of online information and content around international issues. And so we see a lot of opportunity there. It, it of course, out of necessity has to do with the current situation vis-a-vis -vis COVID. But I think if we set that aside, if one is able to set that aside for a moment, we have to remember quickly that, you know, Montana is a big place. It's a very remote place. And you have to, you know, it takes a long time to travel from A to B. 
And so if you're trying to do um, the work that we do and the work that many others do, doing it well and high quality in, in a virtual space online is really you know, a, a great way to, to expand your reach. So I think that we're also going to be trying to do more and better in providing these kinds of programs and these kinds of services to people across Montana, but, but online and in the virtual space as well. Now, Chris, you mentioned this earlier when you talked about uh, the members of the organization. The, the, World, uh, the Montana World Affairs Council is a membership organization that offers individual and corporate sponsorships. Um, could you talk a little bit about the benefits that the Montana World Affairs Council offers to its sponsors? You know, we're very, very fortunate to have a really solid membership base here, you know, of people. And, and, and I'm going to say, you know, obviously, this reflects an important part of, of Montana society. And I'm not just talking about one part of Montana. I'm talking about the whole state that, you know, people see a great value in what we're trying to do and what we, what we do every day, you know, engaging communities and students on international affairs. It, it can seem a bit kind of esoteric, you know, at, at first, but when you begin to connect those blocks together, why is it important that we have a generation of school kids who can put together these blocks and say, you know, what is going on over here isn't just going on with no effect on our lives here. I can connect those dots and I can make sense out of it. And then on top of it, I, can, I possess the tools and the understanding to affect the dynamic. Maybe I don't like what is going on. Maybe I think it's counter to my interests or counter to the benefit of the state or my community or, or, or what have you. I, I have then the tools uh, in my toolbox to have some effect on this. So I think, I'll, you know, well, I know our members see it the same way. They say, you know, that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. And if you add to this, this point I made about, you know, a simple and, 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 and factual statement about the immediacy of the impact on, uh, of global affairs. So it's, it's no longer that something happens and months later we learn about it and years later we are impacted. That, those days are long gone. Now something happens, we immediately learn about it, and we are very, very quickly impacted by it. And so students need these new tools. Communities need these new tools in order to understand, make sense, and have some effect on the dynamic. And so uh, this is what our members are supporting when they support us. They're supporting this idea that this is important, it has a role, it has a need, and, and we're going to do that. And so the benefit of, of, of members, obviously, is number one, supporting something that I, I think is critical. And, and I think we're going to get into this, um, uh, Udo, now more than ever. I mean, when we're talking about the, the, the current situation with the virus, um, there, there are also obviously other benefits of, of membership that most nonprofits will have regarding, you know, uh, you get the free tickets, you get, you know, a, a, you know, a box of goodies and, and things like that. Right. But um, I, don't, I don't think that's why people are joining. I think it's because they, they, they see the importance of our mission. Now, why, um, why is bringing the world to Montana and Montana to the world, you mentioned the, that is the slogan of the Montana 
World Affairs Council, uh, the motto of the Montana World Affairs Council. Why is that more important than ever during an international health crisis? Udo, it's a, a great question. I just want to say that we, we've had now, now I've hosted uh, nearly 40 webcasts of Connect Montana. And maybe not all of them, but in the vast majority, I have asked people, no matter what the issue, I've asked that same question. I want to know, you know, why, why should we care about what you're talking about? Why should we care about COVID right now? Why is this now more than ever? Well, I mean, simply put that the pandemic reveals in very sharp relief the interconnectedness of this world. We often pay lip service to this idea. We'll often say, you know, we're interconnected. We've got the internet and we can fly all around the world and, and these things. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's a, on the very surface of it. Now when we see what happens to an entire global community when a, a virus is unleashed across the entire face uh, of, the, of the world, we can see very quickly the importance of knowing what is going on knowing how it impacts us, knowing how we can then also support some resolution or, 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 or how others are doing it to inform our own actions becomes absolutely critical. I mean, if you look at any advice regarding COVID-19 from any um, authoritative source, you will see the same things coming over and over. And a lot of that is based on the fact that that people who are giving us advice on what to do are talking to their colleagues around the world and finding out, okay, what did you do in Italy? What did you do in Burma? What happened in South Korea? How did you deal with this? What was the role of testing? What's the role of masks? Over and over. Now, we could just invent that on our own. We could sit here and kind of put our fingers in our ears, cover our eyes, and you know that might work. But in an interconnected world like this, it doesn't make sense anymore. In an interconnected world, you want to use that tool for, for your benefit. It's right. in your toolbox. Go ahead and use it. So I think, again, now more than ever, this idea of you know, bringing the world to Montana and Montana to the world just underscores the, the critical nature of our interconnectedness. Right. Well, and you're absolutely right. The fact that no matter where something happens, and we talked about that earlier, um, we now have news coverage uh, of every event uh, that happens around the world. The fact that it impacts us to some degree, no matter how, how small it may be. Um, and the fact that in a crisis, this is even more relevant than, than during good times. Uh, I totally agree with you that uh, this kind of work becomes even more meaningful when there's actually an international uh, component to it. So. I, I really appreciate that um, that you are providing the programming, that you are offering the services that you do, and that you have um, pivoted uh, in a way to where you had uh, previously um, live events where, as you said, you would invite people um, to come to Missoula and to, uh, to talk to a group of people where now you're doing that through Connect Montana in a virtual way. And you continue to offer the services even though they might not uh, be able to happen in the same fashion they used to in the past, but through technology, um, people can connect to it. And so Connect Montana is really uh, a good way of doing that. So 
um, thank you, Chris, for, for your leadership um, as the executive director of the Montana World Affairs Council and for um, continuing those services for the community. Now, um, what are some of the obstacles you see or you have experienced yourself that the Montana World Affairs Council is facing currently and might or could be facing in the future? Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you for sure, one obstacle is, is not lack of interest. I mean, across this state, again, I, I'm, I'm so pleased. And, and, and I guess maybe for, for other people, it's not a surprise, but um, uh, that there is such an interest and such a desire to know and learn about these things. So it, it's not trying to convince people that what we're doing is good and good for communities and for schools. So I, th th there's no obstacle there. Um, I think, you know, the obstacle becomes, frankly, far more practical and, and, and in a way simple. And, and in a way, it's a, it's, a, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a twist. So all of these things that I've been talking about in terms of the virtual space and in terms of the immediacy of communication, we can receive information, we can use information in a very direct and immediate and efficient way is great on one hand. On the other hand, it be does become an obstacle because we are inundated with information. We, there is a right. tsunami of information every day coming right. crashing at us, not just informing us, but asking us and demanding of us and shouting at us to, you know, you know, look, do this, learn that, be afraid of this, look at this, you know, and 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 so we now in in this period are are completely inundated with information, and therefore. The things that we're trying to provide schools and communities can very easily get lost in the cacophony. And everybody experiences this. Everybody says that. You talk to any kind of professional marketer, they're going to tell you, you know, you got to rise up above this, the, the din, if you will, and, and be sure your voice is heard. So, so that, that's an important obstacle. But um, on one hand, you know, we're, we're trying to get better at our own promotion and marketing to be sure that people know about this. I can't tell you the number of times we've done some really incredible program and I meet somebody and I tell them about it. They say, oh, I, I wish I could have been there. Why didn't I know? You know, how, how, you, you need to tell me. Um, uh, but, but that's, you know, that, that's a factor of, of, of all of this information coming in. However, the, the other part that is not unique to Montana, but, but it is, it is a, it's, a, it's an important aspect of, of things here in Montana is you need to talk to people individually. You need to have a human connection with people in order to get them interested. I don't consider this an obstacle by any means. I consider it a huge plus. And, and so it's just to let you know that we spend a lot of time not on the keyboard writing a Facebook post that we think is going to engage people, um, you know, before COVID, we spent a lot of time on the road talking with principals, school teachers, and community people, telling them what we're doing, drawing them into our programs. Now we spend that time on the telephone, calling them up. I mean, just this past week, we were talking to schools all across the state about our GeoQuest program. So I think, you know, again, it's, it's that the, the obstacle, as I see it, is, you know, is knowledge and information. On one hand, there's a huge gate of information, so, so everybody's getting it. But the problem is getting past the cacophony. We try to do that through any number of ways. But here in Montana, we also do it through the good old-fashioned, you call it the sneaker network. You know, It's not the wired Wi-Fi network. It's I'm walking over to drink a coffee with you, and I'm going to tell you about what we're doing. So I do a lot of that too. 
if you would be granted one wish, Chris, for the Montana World Affairs Council, what would that wish be? I love this question, Udo. <laughs> I'm going to steal it and start asking my, my guests on my show that question. It's a beautiful <laughs> question. Um, look, I, I, you know, um, uh, really to be honest with you, you know, um, you know, dreams are meant to be hugely aspirational, but I can't help it. I'm a, I'm a fairly modest person, you know, and I, and, and, and I, I, I try when I'm, when I'm working to have modest and realistic aspirations as well. Things that I, things that I can share with people to, to, to get them on board that don't seem too far away, that don't seem impossible to, to accomplish. Uh, and, and so, you know, my dream, you know, is very much to, to, I think kind of part B of your question of what are the next five years, the dream is really to have a well-established, well-known um, organization where people can come to us and say, hey, you know, we want to know more about this. We want you to do something on this issue. We want you to come to our community and help us, you know, discuss this issue. We want you in our schools to look at this thing, you know. This to me would be a great, you know, uh, um, the natural and logical progression of all the work that we've been doing and trying to draw people in. Suddenly in five years, people are drawn in and now they're saying, hey, Chris, you know, this stuff that's going on over in, uh, you know, wherever in, in the UK, you know, we think it has a big impact on, on what's going on here for our organization. Um, could we get the World Affairs Council to help us? So it's, it's just, it's doing more of the same, but better. Wonderful. When I started out uh, beginning of the year with International Voices, the podcast, I thought, what if I don't have enough material when I talk to people? Uh, an hour to fill uh, is a tall order. And, and I have never so far had the problem of actually running out of questions or not getting enough material to fill the hour. And this month is no different. I so appreciate, Chris, you telling us a little bit about the Montana World Affairs Council origin, um, the structure uh, nationally as well as uh, in the individual states, the programming, um, the goals that you have as an executive director for this organization, um, the wishes that you have where you see the organization in years to come. And I think when people listen to this now, this was an hour of jam-packed information. Um, the question is, where can people go if they would like to, uh, to learn more about the Montana World Affairs Council, if they would like to uh, be informed about what's happening next uh, in the coming month? How would they do that? Where do they go? Well, you can start at our website, montanaworldaffairs.org. That's montanaworldaffairs.org. And that's going to launch you off on any number of things that you, you may want to do. You might want to go to our YouTube channel to see the archive of programs we've had there, both Connect Montana and our Council in the Classroom and Distinguished Speakers. You can check that stuff out at your leisure. Um, if you want to become a member or if you'd like to donate to our organization, you can do it on the website. It also um, gives you the email address, which is info at montanaworldaffairs.org. You can always drop me a line. I, I read those things personally. Uh, and when I, do get or when I do get contact 
um, through that email address. I ask people, would you like to be on our mailing list? That's really the number one and simplest and easiest way that, that people get it. Yes, we are all inundated with a crazy amount of email, but we don't send a lot of email. Uh, we send once a month an update, and when we have an event, we'll send a heads up. But it's very simple, very straightforward. So I'd encourage people to get onto that mailing list. We don't sell the names. We don't, you know, this is ours and ours alone. Nobody else gets it. We, we, we just use it as a means to inform interested people and our membership. And, and so really that's the best way to stay in touch. Um, and if you write a, an email to info at Montana uh, world affairs.org, I'm going to be reading it. So maybe you want to send me your ideas. Maybe you say, Hey, Chris, why don't you all do a program or a series on uh, um, clean air? Why don't you do something on affordable housing? Why don't you do something you know, any issue like that, which is of interest to Montanans will have right. an international aspect to it. So, Drop me a line. Let me know what you think as well. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. I've been talking to Chris Hislop, the uh, Executive Director of the Montana World Affairs Council. Thank you, Chris, for your time today, um, for sharing your expertise um, and your programming that is currently happening uh, in the Montana World Affairs Council um, with me and with the listeners. And I wish you good luck from here on forward in these uncertain times. And thank you uh, for having been my guest today. It's my pleasure, Udo. Thank you for having me on and thank you to all of the listeners. My international voice for this October podcast episode was Chris Hislop, the Executive Director of the Montana World Affairs Council. Thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Global and Cultural Affairs of Arts Missoula and The Trail, 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and thetrail1033.com. If your interests are in global and intercultural education, programming, cultural and global competence, and international affairs, we hope you join us again next month for another episode of International Voices. Mm -hmm.